It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we come to you with PFF Mike, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, their lead draft analyst, also has relocated to Cincinnati with the rest of the core PFF staff. He'll be with us to talk about the Bengals draft today, and we'll get into a little bit of prognostication as well. In addition to that, a couple of sponsorship notes. Today's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. And also brought to you by our longstanding sponsor at this point, Abco Safety. Stay tuned for more details about what opportunities you have for discounts and or free swag from those two sponsors. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Oh, we're excited to have you. And as I pointed out before we started recording, we actually have somebody from Cincinnati on the podcast today. Yes, I've been here four years now i think almost will be four years in like august i live up in mount adams now but i'm moving uh in june so so you you've become a bengals fan then right <laughs> uh i'm yeah so that's my afc team i actually oh, okay package fan. so I, I, they're my adopted team i get to suffer along with the rest of the city so you're from illinois but you are a packers fan huh i was born in milwaukee technically so uh, I for like five years you've then, been everywhere then huh so yeah, I'm Midwest through and through. Yeah, you've got the opposite of me. I started in Cincinnati, went to school in Chicago, then lived in Madison, Wisconsin for four years, and then came out west. Yeah, that. Well, the out west part, I never really left the Midwest. Right. And stuff. <laughs> My, minus minus the west part. Have you ever gotten your forty? Did you get your forty down to the sub four eight that you were you were shooting for? No, I got. I keep getting hurt as an adult. It's a it's a problem. I need to stop. <laughs> I broke my kneecap last fall, and Ooh. I'm just getting back. I just started running a month ago from it, so I've unfortunately never got down to where I would have liked. Maybe I'll get it back this fall, though. I feel bad for laughing now. <laughs> it was it wasn't even like that painful. It just took forever to heal. I can't imagine that not being painful, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Uh, last question about Cincinnati. Have you gotten into the chili? Uh, no. And that's probably never going to happen. I will say though, my favorite one is Dixie chili across the river in Kentucky, uh, in, uh, yeah, wherever that is, uh, Newport. Newport? Uh, yeah, that's my favorite one. The rest are just not great. Like just not good in my opinion. Sorry. Sorry, Cincinnati fans. I know everyone loves it. It's crazy. I'm sure they'll be coming after you on Twitter. Jake's going to be. I've never tried it either. One of the few times I've gone down there. I, I ate Skyline pretty much every Friday of my life from age 3 to 18, give or take. It was a Friday family tradition. I've eaten a lot of Skyline. That explains a life. lot. I'll just say that. That explains a lot. I was, I was going to make a similar joke. I'm glad you, you beat me by two seconds. I don't even know what that means. Anyway, let's talk about football, shall we? Let's get into it. Our first question for you, Mike, as the lead pro football-focused draft analyst, and I think I know the answer to this question already, for at least the first part. What was the Bengals' best pick in the 2019 NFL draft? What was their worst pick? And taking the draft on the whole, does this draft really move the needle for the Bengals this year, next year? What's the long-term prognosis? The best pick was 
their first pick, Jonah Williams. They actually drafted a good offensive lineman in the first round for Williams. It's been so long. Uh, yeah, I, I think hands down, the, he was a top five player on the PFF draft board. He's actually been good in college as opposed to guys, you know, they've drafted in the past. Uh, he, he dominated at Alabama three years. He's only 21 years old. I think, like, the fact that he's only a junior kind of got swept under the rug for the most part when, you know, Quentin Nelson coming out last year, this generational prospect, no one had heard of him after his junior year. Not no one had heard of him, but no one was going to – he would not have gone 12th overall or 11th overall after his junior year if he came out. Jonah Williams, I think, is just going to be – maybe he's not an elite tackle. Maybe that's not where he, he ends up lining up for the Bengals, but I think he'll be an elite guard if nothing else. That's interesting. I don't think we even ever mentioned that he was a junior. Maybe we mentioned his age once, but you're yeah, right. That when, is something that got swept under the rug. Especially comparison, comparing to Andre Dillard, who I think was 23 and some change. It was the one thing we did say that, yeah, Dillard's an elite athlete, but sometimes those guys that don't test that way tend to be a little bit younger, and I think that was the case with Jonah. So are there concerns for you that his athleticism won't translate to tackle in the NFL? You mentioned their elite guard. Are there reservations about tackle with Jonah Williams for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't uh, – he didn't absolutely – he wasn't locked down, shut out, pass protection type of guy. There's not – that's just rare to see in college, though. There haven't been that many guys uh, even – uh, since we've been doing this, I'm not sure there are any that we felt incredibly confident. The Joe Thomases of the world that you feel so confident in coming out that you know you pencil him in to the top five and just forget about it. But I do think from everything we've seen from him that uh, he's about as good as it gets. Yeah, there athletically it didn't test great. I didn't see too many times where it showed up on tape. He's great at passing off stunts. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. He's great in terms of reacting and mirroring rushers. Uh, I, I thought. Maybe his size was a little more concerning than his athleticism on tape. The fact that he's only around 300 pounds was, but even then, again, he's 21. He'll fill out. I, I'm not too worried about him projecting to the NFL. Yeah, good point. So, so then, if that's the best pick, and it should be with the first pick of, of their draft, um, did they follow it up in the second round with their worst pick and Drew Sample? I think so. If you just look at what was available at that point in time to draft what will be in this year number two tight end and yeah you don't draft for this year you draft for the future Tyler Eifert I mean you might not even be healthy this year so you can't even discount that but I do think there's so much projection to samples game you want guys who have done have, have been receivers already at the college level you yeah. don't want got to teach a guy basically how to run routes he just wasn't featured at all in that Washington offense and even in terms of the routes he was running was not it was not an NFL route tree, so you're going to have to teach him the position to teach a tight end, which is already a low-value position in a lot of offenses, to how to how to play football at the NFL level is just that's a reach for the second round. You could have you could have gotten guys like that later on uh, in this draft. I think we've made the same argument, and Bengals fans obviously don't like to hear it. You know how fans get right after the draft when you try to find the silver lining in every pick, and we've tried to do that to some extent, but then you look at who is available right after that selection and you start to feel a little bit worse about the evaluation because they come back in the third round and then they picked Jermaine Pratt who we felt pretty good about I know that I I feel like you guys weren't as high on him as we were he was our top I think he was our top remaining linebacker at the time with well no we actually have Ben Verkurvin above him because we we of course borrow from your database to help inform our own rankings but we felt good about Jermaine Pratt so that kind of leads into the question of looking at the rest of the draft they got a couple of running backs. They got a, and maybe, you know, they hope they got their future Clint Bowling and Michael Jordan. Does the draft move the needle for the future, for, for the prospects of the Bengals going forward? Or do they need to really hit a home run at some point if they actually want to get back into the conversation for the AFC North? I think it did. I, I think this team last year was more talented than their record ended up. Obviously, losing Andy Dalton was uh, a big part of that. But I think this is a talented team that, uh, didn't have a ton of necessarily holes when fully healthy. Now, health, obviously, uh, you want depth to be able to plug holes uh, like that when guys do get injured, but I do think there weren't a ton of glaring impact needs that they had to fill. And, and so I I didn't hate the draft by any means. The second-round pick was the biggest head-scratcher. After that, I thought pretty much every single other pick I can get on board with. And I do think guys like Ronald Wren, Michael Jordan – 
they're not going to impact this year. I don't think they're NFL ready from that regard, but this is a long, it was a good long-term sort of vision that they had in this draft. Brian Finley as well. I'm glad you mentioned Renell Wren because uh, he's interesting. And when you watch him, uh, a lot of his games are just a wash where he looks like he's a mess, but so many flashes of extreme power and, and explosion off the snap drive centers backwards my question to you really, and, and maybe the PFF process or, or how you view it, uh, I know he wasn't graded well for you guys, and you can see that on a snap per snap basis and consistency-wise. But when you watch him, how do you separate a, a, a score like that where it's really poor for him in terms of PFF to, man, this guy's got talent. Like, How do you balance that as, a, as an analyst? It's always tough. I, I think positional, uh, the position has to be taken into account. I, I don't want to have it to be a position where you got to teach a guy too much. You want him to show things on tape that are easily translatable. I think his bull rush was one where mm-hmm. you know, he already has that down bat. He can, that will translate from day one. He should be able to walk centers, guards back. Uh, he has and just the athleticism that shows up, but little smaller things of the game, you're obviously going to have to teach him. So we were lower on him than probably a lot of people that just see the raw athleticism, see the high end play. But again, in the fourth round, that's where you can take those shots. I, I think the first three rounds, or you want, you can always get guys who are, I don't want to say finished products, but who don't have necessarily, uh, who can come in, impact the game right away, who can start. And once you're in the fourth round, there's not a lot of talent left on the board. You might as well take your shots with guys like that who have that athletic talent, who have shown it on tape, who at, at you know points in time have looked like physical freaks uh, for even you know whole games, but just don't have the consistency there yet. So there is a lot of refinement that needs to go on with Ren's game, but yeah, I think you you just can't teach six foot five, three hundred twenty plus pounders to move off the snap the way he does. Yeah. And I and I do think again the thing I touched on in the beginning position matters. Uh, I think interior defensive line is one where there's not much sort of uh, there's not much coaching. It, it kind of is you can be impacting the game just purely by being an athlete and getting upfield off the snap. That in and of itself has some value. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because it echoes what you said about tight end as well, where there's a lot more coaching that will need to happen yes. for Drew Sample than a Renell Rem by comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so O-line obviously is a hugely skilled position. Tight end, a very skilled position. Defensive line, you either got athleticism enough to, to do the job or you don't, kind of. Right. So that kind of leads me into another question that we had talked about with disparities between where guys are going in the NFL draft and NFL evaluations versus the pro football focus evaluations. And I think this is your second year, right, of producing a draft guide or is it your third year? I think this is our third year with an actual draft guide, yeah. So with that, you've had your PFF big boards, at least for a few years, at least publicly facing. Maybe you've had them internally prior to that. In this year's draft, guys like Ben Burkhurvin, Blake Cashman, Tavon Coney, Chase Winovich, Amani Hooker, Justin Lane, all defensive guys that I flagged for this question, went a bit later than your grading would suggest maybe they should have gone. Is there something consistent, or is it different differing things from player to player? Like with Burkhurvin and Cashman, maybe it's size. With Coney, it's athleticism. With Winovich, I don't really know. He's a little Hooker, bit older. Okay, sure. He's a little bit older mm-hmm. with Hooker. Again, I don't really know him with Lane. Maybe he's a little bit raw. Yeah, so I do think a big thing about the defensive side of the ball is scheme fit. And linebacker especially, uh, teams have sort of types that they want at the position and aren't willing to necessarily uh, stray stray away from their uh, prototypes at that position. So they And then – where they guys, where a guy goes and what scheme he was in college, vice versa, what scheme he goes to the NFL matters a lot to how you produce on the football field. So I think linebacker is one where we've really seen it all over the map. And I think the other thing is uh, that all it really takes, so I guess guys falling is maybe a little different than guys getting drafted higher, but uh, a lot of times the NFL's boards are going to look very different as well than, I mean, like there's no real, just because a guy goes in the third round or fourth round doesn't necessarily mean everyone had a fourth round grade on him. Someone might've had a second round grade on say Imani Hooker, but had still guys with first round grades left on the board. So like maybe it seems drafting in the third or whatever, still had first round grades left on the board and they take their guy. So I, I do think that even if you look at NFL boards, the evaluations would be all over the map. I try not to discern 
too much, you know, glean too much information into big discrepancies on our board, uh, just based purely off a of drafts position. Yeah, but you, you have even... to look back at them, right, and say, "Oh man, we definitely were right on this guy." Oh, I think you look back at their performance once they're in the NFL for sure. Right. But I don't think uh, just chalking up a W just because, say, we had a high grade on Deontay Johnson and he goes, you know, highly in this draft, or right. we had a, or taking a loss because we had a high grade on Jimmy Moreland and he goes all the way in the seventh. I don't think that's like you don't take that right away. You wait a little bit to see how the guy actually does. Oh man, I'm ready to celebrate right after. I, I feel completely <laughs> different. I'm like, oh, Mac Wilson fifth round. That's where he should have went. That's how I felt about Cashman the whole process. How about those fits for Ben Burkhurvin? Speaking of scheme fits and just going off the Bengals for for a minute, Burkhurvin in Seattle and Cashman in in New York. Can you imagine better landing spots for those two? No, those will be. I just hope they see the field though, because uh, yeah, Cody Burkhurvin's behind. Uh, what's face? Yeah, Barton, and then uh, you got. I guess Darren Lee's still with the Jets. He's still yes. there at least for now. So we'll see if he ends up seeing the field Cashman there. Until they trade him to Cincinnati, and then exactly. Cashman can get on the right. field. Come home, Dan. Like that. Yep. <laughs> I got the next question here, Jake. Because uh, I want to – the Bengals have added two offensive linemen in this draft, Michael Jordan and Jonah Williams. Last year, they added Cordy Glenn, Billy Price. It seems like they've made a concerted effort to upgrade this offensive line, even this year, signing John Miller, who is a serviceable guard and maybe an upgrade at right guard if he's the guy. But the issue I think we're all – having as Bengals fans and analysts were looking at it and saying, I don't know what five configuration is going to be the best. And maybe it's going to play out during camp, but Mike, what do you see happening? And who do you think would be the five best? Where would you put these guys? And remember Christian Westerman exists. Yeah, I was <laughs> oh, you're just going to steal it. I would say Christian Westerman starts at right guard. Uh, I do think, I do think he is honestly one of their, one of their two best guards uh, on this team. Clint Bowling, obviously we've said the same yeah. at left. Uh, so Cordy Glenn left tackle, Bowling left guard, Price center, Westerman right guard, Jonah Williams tackle, Bobby Hart nowhere near. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you pushed yeah, into the choir the there. <laughs> yeah, but does, does that sound like a capable line? I mean, does that that to me on the paper? That's yeah. if Westerman wins that job, then you feel really good about the interior guys at that point. I that should be a much improved line. No, I, and all you really need, you just can't be awful like they have right. you just can't just have your tackles be uh yeah just exactly turn <laughs> you just can't have that like andy dalton just needs a little something uh and i think we've even seen it in like in our passing grades any just teams with average lines are enough to facilitate elite level offenses yeah they just need to get there they, they've put a lot of now resources to getting there i think this is the year they finally creep back up there yeah, and, and Alex Redman is a guy that I think we kind of forget. He gave up a lot of pressures at a high rate at right yes. guard. And, and you got those two next to each other on the same side of the line. That was disastrous. Yes. And now, Cordy Glenn wasn't the best last year either, and he dealt with injuries again. But if he turns out to be your, your weak link, if you can actually figure out Jonah Williams at right tackle and a good right guard, I agree. And if Billy Price gets to at least decent level play, average level center play as a first-round pick is expected, I do think this could be a much improved line. Yeah, and center not even, not even really a, a value too much of a value add in terms of pass protection. It really comes down to sure. Jonah yeah. and Cordy. Well, run blocking has been an Jonah's issue for be. them too. Yeah, yeah, true, but yeah. Well, the Bengals have watched Bengals fans, I should say, have watched their centers get walked back into Andy Dalton's lap more than probably any other team for the last the last five. Okay, years. yeah, I was yeah. gonna say unless you're, gosh, I, I forgot his name now. The former Russell Bodine. Yeah, Bodine. Yeah. Unless you're Russell Bodine, anything above that, it's not really a value. But but wasn't Bodine better than Billy Price, according to your grading, in Billy Price's rookie year? He had a bad rookie year, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Billy Price, we, I'll be honest, we were not fans. 49.1 or something? Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't good. Now, granted, he dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, yeah. he had the pen mm-hmm. even before the season started. And then uh, at that Ravens game when he got hurt again. So it was not great for him out the gate. But do you ever notice optimism? It sounds like. Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you ever notice a trend? And this is kind of I'm going to I'm going to think offensive line and, and receiver. Uh, but do you ever notice a team 
based on scheme, will grade a little bit higher. And like for the Bengals, they just had were con- consistently graded low for run blocking. And Mixon had a decent year. I think it was more maybe Mixon than the O-line last year. But there were there were times, inconsistent, but there were times they're opening up lanes for Mixon to run. Uh, but, you know, do you ever think like, well, whatever the Bengals are doing, it's just not grading well for us. Where another team where you may feel have worse talent, it could be at receiver or on offensive line or two positions I keep thinking of in the, in when I phrase this. Uh, because I think of the Rams also. They scheme the receivers open. They end up grading well because of it. Not saying they're not better than the Bengals receivers but you ever see this from a team to team and just say yeah whatever they're doing they may be having some production on the field but it just doesn't churn out positive grades I think you see teams put their you will definitely see teams scheme up one better running games in terms of putting their running backs in more favorable situations so much of running is not necessarily uh, how good the run blocking is it's more box counts and dialing up the right play call for the right front. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, And I think that was some of it last year. You went from uh, just a lot of heavier sets, just from what I saw in the past years, to lighter boxes, a lot of running from lighter uh, formations last year, I thought. Yeah, definitely. No, you're right. Yeah. Especially when Eifert was there, he kind of, you know, he has an effect on that defense, whether they're going to walk a linebacker out with him because he's mm-hmm. basically playing slot receiver, whether it's a linebacker or safety going out with him. It really lightened the box for Mixon in this run game. We're going to take a quick break on that note and be back with more with Mike. That's at PFF underscore Mike on Twitter in just a moment. Our returning and persistent sponsor this week is Abco Safety. As always, you can check them out at abcosafety.com. Give them a call at 513-672-1818. They're local to Cincinnati. Mention Locked On Abco when you call to get 15% off your first order of any safety or industrial things that you need for your business. Located straight out of Cincinnati. Abco Safety services customers from all over in industries ranging from manufacturing to food service, environmental services, and does more to even go as far as help them coordinate their overall safety program and budgeting. We are confident that you will find yourself a good deal on your safety needs if you call up Abco Safety, especially if you are in the market right now for any fall protection gear. They're running a special promotion on those items right now, ranging from the safety helmet to the nano lock that'll catch you when you fall, and the full body harness line, all of them ANSI compliant, meeting OSHA compliance regulations as well. Again, check them out at abcosafety.com and give them a call at 513-672-1818, mentioning Locked On Abco to get 15% off your first order. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card welcome back to the lockdown bengals podcast we're still hanging out with mike renner from pro football focus you can find him on twitter at pff underscore mike now we're going to start talking a little bit about what the new coach might look like in cincinnati 
Zach Taylor is said to be encouraging the offense a lot more in practices. There's that quote going out, going out about AJ Green saying Marvin used to tell him, don't show the defense up out here. But beyond just the style, what players on the Bengals offense do you think will be impacted the most by the Rams style that Zach Taylor's bringing with him? That's a good question. Oh man, that's, mm, I think, huh. Hopefully John Ross. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what we, we get this question constantly. So that's why we're lending it to you. We always end up saying Ross and Mixon. I mean, the stretch zone and the play action game off that theoretically should be perfectly set up for what John Ross, John Ross skill set in terms of just like getting down the field and getting him one on one with safeties. And just that's where he should win consistently. So I think John Ross should be set up. You know, we saw what Brandon Cooks did in mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams offense, it's just that sort of style of play where heavy play action uh, and the f- formations, you know, spread formations three wide most of the time. I'm not sure if Zach Taylor is going to replicate it, you know, completely work for, you know, uh, formation for formation, you know, play by play. Uh, but uh, he's going to definitely steal something. You know, you'd be crazy not to steal something from what they had there. Uh, That's exactly LA. what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do think John Ross, if, if it doesn't happen this year, it ain't happening. Yeah. And do you that think it's going to be? The, do you think it's going to be the same thing with him? Or are they just going to be using him vertically, or is there something there from his red zone success last year that tells us maybe he can be more effective in other ways besides just stretching the field? Well, I think that offense. I mean, just going back to Brandon Cooks again, a lot of what he runs there are horizontal crossers. Mm-hmm. So he'll run shallow, intermediate, deep crosser, yep. uh, double moves at safeties. Uh, or the vertical tree in terms of, you know, deep comeback, comeback, hitch, go routes, that sort of thing, and use that speed in going in motion, getting him easy targets underneath, that sort of thing. Using Jet him sweeps as, and stuff. Yes, exactly. So I think that will that is the ideal role for him. That That is like what his skill set should be utilized as that offense has. It has proven to have a role for that. So. Uh, I, I do think that uh, he should certainly benefit. There, there's, like I said, if it doesn't happen this year, uh, there's just something else going on there where, where it ain't happening. To expand, I mean, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, if Boyd's their Cooper Cup and then mm-hmm. Green is Robert Woods, which, I mean, I think I'd take Green in that in that role for, for any in that comparison for any team, uh, it really should help this receiving core reach their potential, right? No, they have. I mean, they have objectively as good a pieces i think uh, on paper as what the rams had uh, in terms of the wide receivers there to run it I, I do think you know all those roles are very defined boyd's fantastic route running from the slot i think he can easily mm-hmm. re- you know reproduce that it's more a case of uh, you know you know how a lot of a lot of offensive you know, success is dialing up right play at right time being uh, the play calling can't go, you can't just sweep that under the rug. That's a big reason why guys like Shanahan McVay have success is their play calling. So I do think uh, that will be tough to replicate, but I do think the offense is set up well for the talent they have. That's a good feeling for the future, especially for Bengals fans who have been listening to us. Yesterday we did the, uh, or two days ago now, we did the, the schedule. We walked through each game because we were delinquent on getting to a schedule review, and we came up with an over-under for the Bengals at six and a half wins. 16 and 0? Oh, six and a half. <laughs> we no, this act- is the real. This is the real. Okay, okay. We're, the we're not a very podcast. optimistic podcast, you can say. Yeah, well, I mean, you haven't gotten much reason to, but I I will say six and a half, I would throw the over there, just personally. And I'm not trying to pump any tires here, but I, You're I think t- talent-wise, they have more six and a half. I think last year the 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 scheme the coaching was all working against them and more on the defensive side of the ball but uh, i do think a lot of things were going against them and obviously the quarterback getting injured i, I thought it looked early in the season this looked like a playoff team it looked like a 10 win team and i don't i don't think they've there's not a lot of places on this roster they've gotten worse you know over the course of the off season so i do think if health sort of swings back in their favor six and a half seems uh I would bet the over on that if that were the case. There you go. Mike Renner says the Bengals will win more than six and a half games if they're healthy. But health has been an issue for them since 2015. 2015, they were extraordinarily healthy until Dalton broke his thumb. 
They almost beat the Steelers in the playoffs even without Dalton. Almost get a first, almost get a what a second and third round pick from it for AJ McCarron, and and then and then all, everything falls apart. Everybody starts getting hurt. Tyler Eifert is the most tragic player in the NFL, yeah. and and then outside of that, injuries just everywhere. And then Terrell Austin comes in. Did you see significant differences from a scheme perspective that you recall? I mean, we I think everyone did when Marvin Lewis took over from Terrell Austin. I I couldn't tell you specifically all i know is i thought the scheme last year was pretty poorly suited they just hung their linebackers out to dry if your linebackers are that bad in coverage yeah blitz them every single time there's yeah. no reason not <laughs> to blitz them every single time they're having them cover is doing you no good they, you know take a page out of the patriots playbook and just <laughs> play to your guys' strengths instead of making them cover you know two like a third of the field every single snap yeah, it was a disaster in, in that. We said that, too. Like, just a change in scheme that uses the linebackers or doesn't expose them as much, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, should get better results, right? I mean, they've been historically bad how many years in a row with linebackers in coverage? And just changing that up could have the same guys out there, even if it's not Jermaine Pratt going out there and it's Nick Vigil, uh, Preston Brown, Jordan Evans. I'm not saying that's a good trio, but I'm saying they could play much better, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you have the talent to play – a lot of man coverage and a lot of man or blitz combo sort of coverages with William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick on the yeah. outside. I think those that's where their strengths lie. So uh, I think play to those, use those guys in that role. When you a lot of t- a lot of the worry about when you uh, play man coverage is your guys getting exposed down the field. Now Drake Kirkpatrick has issues, but I don't. I don't feel too worried about William Jackson getting exposed down the field. Kirkpatrick's really turned it around in his career of late. I'm not like, I, I think that is the least of my worries. Uh, the worry is just getting nickel and dimed with that linebacking core. Yeah, I agree. And what do you think about Jesse Bates feature? Do you see, I, I, I want to see him turn into an Ed Reed somehow, but what do you think his ceiling is? He had a great rookie year and for many people kind of came out of nowhere to some degree. No, that was for rookie safeties. Usually, there's a pretty bit steep transition. Uh, even Jamal Adams didn't grade out amazingly as a rookie, and he was we even here at PFF for like this dude's NFL ready as it gets. Still had a rough transition. It's tough to because they they're asked to do so many different things. You know, you're asked to just do so much in a defense as a safety. You're asked to execute tons of different roles compared to like a defensive lineman, where it's just like two roles and run defense and pass rush. So uh, I, I do think that. Uh, you'll just this the sort of the learning curve we've seen for safeties is upward trajectory after year one pretty a lot of guys take a big jump Landon Collins comes to mind as one who you know went from terrible year one to one of the best safeties in the NFL in year two and I think Bates I love his hips some of the smoothest hips I've seen in a safety position can has very good instincts and feel for the position as well so it would be as good as he was year one I think they have uh, easily the best safety since you know Reggie Nelson uh, on this Bengals roster and the, the class last year, right? The safety class just had a really good year as rookies. Yeah. I mean, Derwin was, I think everyone was kind of like, Derwin's legit. But, yeah, for Bates. Uh, Justin, Justin Reed, Reed right? as well. Yeah. yeah. So maybe so, we're seeing a change, right? Because I, I, I always thought safety was maybe like the weakest positional um, position on all of, in, in, in NFL, in the, in the league. You couldn't get safeties, right? Now you see, last year it started it too in free agency. Some good safeties sat there a little while. There's even been, that, that happened this year. Maybe safety is transitioning a little bit to uh, more of a of a friendly position for college players to make the transition into the NFL. And uh, I think they're getting better athletes. They're getting bigger guys. They're getting guys that are more dynamic. What do you think about that? Well, I think college the college offenses you have to face, like they're asked to do a lot in college yeah. as well. But I think it's tough to evaluate because a lot of it is you don't know what necessarily they're being at, how they're being coached to execute different things, you know, and because it's so dependent on the players around them, the safety position in terms of when you pick up a guy, uh, when you pass off a guy, that sort of thing is more, it comes into play way more at safety. So it is a difficult position to evaluate, but I do think they're coming into the NFL more ready than ever with the offenses, the high uh, that they're fit, you know, the sort of spread passing offenses that you're facing at the uh, college level. And with that, we'll take our last of our two breaks on the show. We'll be back in a moment to talk about how PFF translates its data to the NFL and more stick with us. We know it can be hard to find the right people to hire, 
but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter. Check it out at ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on because our listeners right now can try it for free. If you need to be sold, ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards all at the same time, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them proactively to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. In fact, it's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, Locked On Bengals listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are joined by PFF Mike Renner, and you may know him best from The Bachelorette, and he scored a touchdown in a flag football game. Am I right, Mike, that you scored on that, right? It was real football. We were actually tackling. Oh, it was, was it tackling? Man, I, mean, I must yeah. have uh, completely wiped that from my mind. And I would hope that no one knows me best from that. I would really <laughs> seriously listen to this, and that's what you know me best for. I've not been doing my job well. Who was the um, NFL player that was there? He's a tight end, right? Clay Harbor. That's it, Clay Harbor. Yeah. He seemed like a nice guy. Uh, just well, on the, well, the guy uh, who was also who's the Bachelor's past year was also Colton Underwood played right. not, not played in the NFL, but was on NFL rosters. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, that was uh, not that to say that's where you're most known for, but I, I would say that probably that had to have helped you in your own bachelor life, right? Yeah, actually, my my girlfriend at the moment uh, saw me on that show. That's how we met. That's a great wow. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the best love. outcome you can hope. Eighteen love story. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Jake. What do you got for Mike? Well, now I want to talk about the Bachelorette, but we'll talk <laughs> about football. So, you are now in charge of the Pro Football Focus draft analytics stuff as an umbrella, and I'm probably not articulating that the best, but. In the series leading up to the draft on YouTube and on Twitter and on the website, I think Steve and Sam, or the ones that I remember at least, were talking about some things that have correlations to NFL success. And some of the noteworthy areas were QB performance in a clean pocket, uh, true pass protection sets, pass blocking grades that were 90 or better, are there things like that for off-ball linebackers? I think this is the one the Bengals fans might be most curious about because <laughs> we know what it is for tackles. They drafted a tackle in the first round. We don't really know what we're getting with Drew Sample. And then the next biggest pick, I think, for Bengals fans is Jermaine Pratt that they want to know, is he going to translate? So the areas we're best at at the moment that we've seen translate the best are the ones that are closest to the ball. Because I think the closer you are to the ball, the less reliant you are on 
other players. So, you know, right. linebackers, uh, cornerbacks, safeties are just going to be reliant on routes that are run in front of them. Uh, the you know, how the blocking is on run plays in front of them. There's just so much. Uh, this the farther the farther you are away from where that ball is, the more difficult it is to isolate your performance. Uh, you're just more reliant on other factors, and so I think the best where we've gotten is the true sort of like baseball, the true one-on-one, the true batter pitcher interactions, which is O-line, D-line, pass pro, O-line, D-line, run game. It's a little hairier because you're doing has to be doing different stuffs in terms of executing different blocks but those have been fairly those have projected better than a lot of other positions uh quarterback accuracy and ball placement has been good, done well in translating uh and then some cornerback wide receiver we're just dipping into cornerback wide receiver uh man coverage it's uh we're still in the infant stages of that that one's tough to again because the routes uh, guys can be good on certain routes, not as good at others, and that's you know it's difficult. You just don't get a big enough sample sizes to isolate over that. But I, I do think that's so. The O line D line stuff is where we've seen the highest correlation, the best projections. And do, is there a general correlation that you found between their col- the player's college grade and their NFL grade, even if it's not a very strong one, or is it not so translatable just because of all of those unknown factors? It's more about identifying high-end, low-end guys. So guys who are on the really low end of our pass blocking grades, the guys like the, gosh, who was the, who did the Vikings draft in the fourth round a few years ago out of like Western Michigan, who just was awful in our grading. I, I yes, remember this. I can't remember his name either. Oh. Well, and this year it would be like You're Tyler Ro- Romer from San Diego State, I think is probably yeah. the low end. Yeah, would be the low end this year where it's just like, he never did it. And if a guy's never done it before, never pass blocked at a high level and has just gotten beaten in college, there's a good chance he's not going to learn it once the guys get even tougher to block in the NFL. So that's kind of our thing is identifying the high end, low end. This year, Dalton Reisner was a guy on the high end where it's like he's just been extremely good at not allowing pressure. Maybe it doesn't look pretty, but when a guy does that, we feel good that he's going to work out in the NFL like we would have drafted him before. Titus Howard in a heartbeat there. Oh yeah, uh, and then yeah, like I said, Tyler Romer on the other end. Uh, I'm trying to think a handful of other guys' names. Isaiah uh, Prince. Oh, he was a better run blocker than pass blocker. Yeah, Prince. Isaiah Prince would be on the low end of guys who were just like, it's. I don't think it's going to turn on. Uh, uh, David Edwards had a really rough 2018 in pass blocking. There was yeah. the Florida State tackle oh, Rick yeah. Leonard last year. We we're yeah. just like, I don't know what why you're drafting these guys <laughs> you know like you shouldn't draft those guys and then so, a lot of what we've like figured out or not figured out but a lot of what sort of uh we've, we've tried to identify in the draft coverage is not to hit every single not to you will never be perfect not going to hit every single guy but to just eliminate guys on the low end where it's exactly like, what i was going to we ask. don't want to touch those guys you know you can someone else can go draft them sure go take your high risk high reward or whatever sort of picks we're not going to touch those. We just want to identify high, you know, high, the highest chances and only take those guys. I love that you, that last part there, because that's Jake and I built our own board. Uh, we did it this year and, and we've built boards in the past, but this year was our focus was to try and eliminate risk as much as possible. And you see people do this with combine testing and pro day testing. And you can say, well, you know, if this guy didn't pass this, thresh- this threshold, chances of him hitting are extremely low. I like the idea of using PFF for that. Also, if a guy's never been able to pass black, I should just eliminate him now. You see teams boards, they can have 120 guys on there. There's no reason we should have exactly. all 300 players on there. We should eliminate those guys that, and if someone else takes them and they hit, great. But it, the risk was just too great for us. Exactly. I think that's the biggest way we've been looking at. That's sort of shaped my way of looking at things. It's not necessarily hits. It's uh, sort of range of outcomes. Looking at the range of outcomes and the probabilities of outcomes uh, instead of just pure hits and misses. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at th- from that perspective instead of, uh, I think, is going to give you a better process in the long run. I think that's the direction we've gone too, and we've taken it. You know, we're we're using other factors. So, for example, the Alabama running back Josh Jacobs, his production is unprecedentedly low for a guy you're expecting to be a first round running back. He has everything you want to see on tape. He even graded pretty well for you guys, 
but he just didn't carry the ball. So the odds of him succeeding, he would be an extreme outlier. And he has every chance in the world, and I think he'll get every chance in the world in Oakland to prove that wrong. But that also actually hurt uh, Nick Bosa on our board quite a bit just because he he didn't play his his last Uh year of school either. I do think it's also about identifying uh, the relevant statistics. So which... Yeah, is is purely you know attempts is that really indicative of performance or is that more indicative of are there other factors limiting that sort of thing i don't like that's where we're trying to drill down to what actually is the stat or the something like clean pocket performance what actually is the thing that matters most uh and not just using uh basically any just because we have a stat doesn't mean it's you know, guys good at it doesn't mean it's valuable in any projection form. Oh yeah. I, or, I think we're better, yeah. Right. And we're we're in our infancy as well as trying to figure out what's what's important and what's not. And mm-hmm. the NFL I'm sure has much smarter mathematicians than the two you of hope. us trying to figure you hope. But then <laughs> they but have then, smart people. They do. Have smart of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not and I'm not referring to us. They're like we've met a ton of smart people inside NFL teams for sure. All right, last question for you, Mike, is going to be about undrafted guys, specifically the one to highlight for the Bengals is Stanley Morgan Jr., the wide receiver out of Nebraska. He probably, for us, came out around a fourth, fifth-ish round grade, ends up undrafted. Should we be feeling good about that? I truthfully just never saw it with Stanley Morgan, unfortunately. I was, I basically said he was probably, he didn't even make our 250 draft board. Um, I just didn't see him separating down the field. I know some people liked his route running. I was never too impressed with it. I didn't see any sort of explosiveness in his routes. Uh, I think he went all right in the underneath tree, but I didn't see after the catch ability. I just didn't, there wasn't a lot on tape that I really liked uh, watching him. And the production was solid. I don't think it was anything exceptional in our grading. So uh, I'd gladly be wrong, but I, I did not care for anything well, about I think the, the NFL definitely agreed, though. He went undrafted. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was just the downfield separation. I just never saw it. Like when you um, – there just were no routes where he ran down the field at a high level that got me too excited. So should he be in the slot then? When you have a guy like that, a prospect like that, that doesn't separate downfield, is, is that like an yeah, indication? I that, that would like, be his best – Okay. Role because I mean he's fairly stop start is fairly good like change direction ability uh, was fairly solid but I just didn't think he was particularly explosive so he's... I truthfully I, I don't think he's you know cracking uh, PT anytime soon was my take and he's hmm. six foot two oh two two the Bengals the reason that we've talked about this from a Bengals perspective is their wide receiver room feels pretty shallow they're waiting for another step from Cody Core and Josh Malone that may or may not come. So we talked a little bit about Stanley Morgan as maybe a surprise to challenge for a roster spot, maybe that sixth, seventh receiver. There were, I mean, there were people that liked him a lot more than us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just, I just didn't see it. Fortunately, fair enough. What's your, who is your highest ranked player that wasn't drafted, and why was it Tavon Coney? He had a marijuana possession. I think that may have oh. impacted him. He was also not a good athlete, and yeah, he realistically. Small probably too high on him in retrospect with his athleticism i do love his balance though i think he went to a great spot to actually see the field in oakland uh so i think i'll still be able to get to you know it won't be one of those things where you never get to know if the guy could have made it because he's not going to get picked up i think he has a good shot of making that oakland roster and we'll actually have a reminiscent of vanta's perfect right i mean that team might be right behind him he's got a great model there I mean, and for a guy that, you know, is not the greatest athlete, but still has solid production when you watch it on tape. And, uh, you know, I think if he can take anything from perfect, that'd be his chance. Yeah, and I, I think in zone coverage, it's not nearly athleticism. It's obviously going to impact you and it's good, but you can be a good zone linebacker without being a high-level athlete. Yeah. Just by using your noggin. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thanks so much, Mike, for joining us. We really appreciate the level of insight that you're able to bring from just a different angle. PFF still not thought of as traditional, I think. 
but something that we really like and we hope our listeners do too. For sure, fellas. Thanks for having me. This interview and this episode were brought to you by Abco Safety. You can check them out at abcosafety.com and give them a call at 513-672-1818 for a 15% discount off your first order when you mention Locked on Abco. And that was Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF Mike, and I highly encourage you to do so, along with the rest of the PFF crew, PFF Sam, PFF uh, Steve. Steve. Yeah, Steve is where I was going. Those are the three big public facing. You'll see them all on YouTube, but there's a whole list of excellent Pro Football Focus follows out there. And tomorrow, Joe, we have Brandon Brandon Thorne. Yeah, from the Athletic Denver, and he's an offensive line expert. Really one of the guys that has shaped my opinion on offensive line as much or if not more than anybody, and he's uh, fantastic at delivering digestible information. So I I can't wait to hear him talk and and actually, you know, let him speak it rather than write it. We're bringing out the big guns for guests this week. We'll be back tomorrow with Brandon Thorne, and then it will be time, I believe, that takes us to Thursday in the weekend mailbag. So Get ready to get your questions in. If you hear anything that our guests say that you want to ask questions about, well, they won't be in our mailbag, but Joe and I will be. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.